Hi, and a really warm welcome to today's podcast, which is another episode in the Adaptive Work Skills series. I'm Chris Watson from Endor Learn and Develop, and we're a specialist provider of behaviourally based learning services. Our aim is to deliver practical ideas to extend the performance of people. Thanks a lot for doing this with me. Um, I really okay. Um, I was wondering if you could possibly start with um, sort of giving a brief overview of what people could expect uh, at the workshop. The, uh, the intention is to provide people with a, an accessible introduction to this area of uh, nonverbal communication. And I think that's it's such a big subject so um, to do it any justice we're going to devote a full day to the program and really explore some of the definitions what we mean by non-verbal communication what it encompasses and I think as well there's a lot of pop psychology around body language and non-verbal communication so what we're going to do is we're going to test the validity of many of the commonly held assumptions about it so whether or not this means you're being defensive or there's all sorts of things about, uh, you know, scratching your head at certain times, what that means. Uh, and we're going to go into really some of the, um, the, the science and some of the research that's come out, particularly around the last few years, which challenges, I think, many of these commonly held assumptions. That sounds very interesting. And that was something that I took away from because I read the I read a post about, about the workshop. And I immediately, oh, thought, I immediately thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. You know, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to know when people are, you know, not being completely true with you, you know, that, that mm. kind of thing. And then I was sort of wondering, are there any other, uh, and you sort of touched on it there. So are there uses for sort of um, understanding nonverbal communication sort of outside of that? Is there, is, is there other, other ways that you can apply an understanding of that? Yeah, great, great question, David. Um, there's a, a, a lot of different statistics banded about about the significance of nonverbal communication and how much it contributes to any message interpersonally that's being relayed. So we, we share some of that research and also then help people refine and, and, and support the messages they, they give. And I think the key thing is for a message to feel authentic and for people to be able to maximize their, their interpersonal impact. It's about matching what's being said with the way that it's being said. Right. So is there congruence? And that's, that's critical these days. So um, if for example, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm really, really pleased to be here, but um, my body language is betraying the fact that I'm actually quite apprehensive, and maybe a little bit nervous about it. Yeah. You get a disconnect. And, and I think people who are really good at reading the behavior of others often unknowingly pick up on disconnect. And so they'll say, something around the guy that delivered the, the parcel at the door today and I, I just I just wasn't convinced of their intentions and people used to call this sixth sense almost like you know some people have got this ability to to read into uh, someone else's mind and, and personally I don't think there is sixth sense and I've done, a lot of my uh, background is occupational psychology yeah. and I'd love to think that there was something as elusive as you know sort of sixth sense but I think what actually is the case that some people are just more effective 
at picking up on the unspoken feelings and emotions of others. Yeah. What we tend to see is people who are good at that, whether they're trained and they're developed and practiced in that art, or they've just got an innate ability around it, seem to be better at reading body language. Uh, it's, it's interesting you say that and it, it's sort of in a way especially with that example that you gave about the person delivering the package uh, i mean it, it's it has its uses in you know in everyday life as you say mm. but also it, it made me think of um you know in, in police interviews or when people you know if you're trying to figure out when someone's lying you know it can be mm. quite you know it can, it can be quite important you know in, in certain scenarios and you could potentially avoid danger or, or that kind of thing just from understanding sort of what a person's in, intentions is i see rather than you know they might be saying one thing but they're, you know they're looking at a, com a completely different thing so just sort of uh, moving on from that you're saying about people that are, are good at that and um, what sort of skills do you think that people that are able to sort of pick up on that body language what sort of skills do you think that uh, they have that might allow them to do that well what, what we've found recently is that there's a, uh, an overlap between people who are interested in other people, so probably not surprisingly, and, and people specifically who are really good at empathising with others, and people who are better at reading the unspoken feelings and emotions of others. We introduced this at the end of the programme. We, we, we've got a, a very robust and reliable test and indicator as to how good people are empathising and, and putting themselves in someone else's shoes. And yeah. um, what, what you tend to see is that people who are good at putting themselves in, into someone else's world, it's more likely that you are interested in others. And so you're more likely to pick up on some of these subtle cues and these almost nuanced behaviour yeah. uh, and be able to ac uh, accurately interpret what's actually going on. Right, I see. So, so it's, it's, it's more of a, it's a sense of, of sort of almost caring enough to look past what they're saying and try and look at what they're, you know, what they're actually, their, their, yeah, their body's saying. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of it goes on on a subconscious level. So I just think that what we consistently see, people who score higher on this test do very, very well on accurately reading nonverbal behaviour if you provide them with you know, photographs, filmed images or whatever, and ask them to decode actually what's happening. Yeah. So they tend to be better in terms of lie detecting as well. Yeah. Uh, although it's a very, very complex area. Yeah, Interestingly, if you, if you look at one thing about lie detecting that's commonly recognised, which is a polygraph, which is a conventional lie detector. Yeah. What, what those effectively do is they seek out congruence. Your mind and your body all the time want to be the same in the same state. And if for some reason some person wants to say something, but their body knows that it's not actually the case, that's when you're getting, it's a horrible phrase, so forgive me, you get a bit of leakage. Um, and what happens is a lie detector is set up to pick up on moments of leakage what it does two electrodes basically right. somewhere on the skin and they measure differences and variations in in moisture and they do that by passing an electrical current and if someone tells an untruth what do you think happens in terms of moisture on the skin as, 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 does it start is it, is it more moisture appear or, or, or it, it does it, it, yeah right i see 
It does because of uh, they they can't help but perspire a tiny little bit, and it's it's almost it's unrecognisable to the human eye, but uh, galvanic skin indicator will be able to pick that up. Yeah. And so what happens is more electrical current can pass through, and and so you get uh, extra activity if you like on on a sort of on a meter reading. Right. Similarly, uh, the heart as well. Uh, there will be an increase in, in, in sort of blood flow uh, because of the, the pressure that you're putting yourself under to maintain the same composure, even though you know it's an untruth that you're saying. Yeah. And so both of those put together, very, very difficult, um, unless you're a Buddhist monk, and even then it's hard, yeah. but to, to actually be able to control, regardless of what you're saying orally. It doesn't actually mean I'm definitely lying. No. But it does put a big question mark over the validity of the response I've given, right. particularly if you've done some baseline behaviour first yeah. and asked me a few innocuous questions. And those always seem to give a consistent reply or a consistent way of replying. Because uh, that, that's just opened my eyes because I see all these. Um, I, I watch so many of these there's these sort of criminal psychology video series on YouTube and it's really interesting the way they sort of, they show the, 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 the interviews with, you know, convicted serial killers in full where they go in uh, still upholding that they're innocent and they come out and they've, you know, they've admitted to all this sort of stuff. And that mm. now I realise now why they do. And in some instances when they're having a polygraph test, they do start off with answers that they give questions where they know they're going to give a correct answer or, or they assume they're going to give a correct answer. And then they find that varying. So in a way that's, that's almost a representation of understanding body language in the, in the sense that it's your body that's telling on you. You know, I mean, it's, it's absolutely the truth about you that you're not verbally revealing yourself. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and let's face it, it's very, very easy to manipulate what you say. Yeah. You know, it's too easy. So I think uh, sometimes a, a much richer area to explore is what's not being said. So full listening, I think, what, what people are really good in this area do is they invest as much in what's not being said or what's not being said verbally. And they look for all of the messages that are actually being relayed at the time. Mm -hmm. And so many are, you know, our posture, uh, the speed at which we're speaking, the pace at which we're speaking, the intonation, which words are we stressing? There's a whole host of messages that are going through beyond the words. And I think that's really full listening, you know, and really looking at what's happening. There are things, even with the voice, which is probably one of the easier ones to manipulate, that can reveal all sorts of things going on. For example, if someone is particularly stressed or uncomfortable yeah. and uh, adrenaline starts to saturate their, their phys you know, their physical body, one of the first responses to that is the larynx, uh, and it's an involuntary response, but will tighten. Right, okay. And so as, as a result of that, you might be able to hear, but um, someone's voice might go up a little bit right. in terms of an octave. Yeah. Now, I'm not able to control that. No. And, and so someone who is unknowingly quite good at picking up on the unspoken feelings and emotions of others may well think that normally David talks at this sort of pitch, yeah. this sort of level, 
but I, I, I feel he was a little uncomfortable earlier on today. Right. Uh, when when we asked him where the money was for the new TV yeah. and his contribution towards it, uh, because uh, suddenly what what happened was uh, <laughs> this. Um, and uh, and that, as I say, is 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 really hard to uh, to do anything about. Yeah. And I think all sorts of things come out of this. Well, that's why the advice for people, if they want to come across as informed, yeah, um, and as confident or as in control, is to talk slowly and to talk at a lower tone. Right. I see. And it may be unknowing to people as to why, but A, it makes it easier to follow, mm -hmm. but also it gives the impression that they are relaxed because right. we know one of the things that happen to people when they're not relaxed yep. is that this this is going to happen with their, their larynx. Mm -hmm. So there, there's, there's loads, there's so many different opportunities. Yeah. to look at, uh, you know, different parts of people's physiology. Yeah. There's, there's another area of body language which uh, deals with lateral eye movements. Oh, and I think some of that's been popularised about uh, when you ask a specific question. At that point, sometimes you can get indicators from where someone's eyes move to and in which direction as to whether or not they're accessing visual thoughts, they're accessing auditory thoughts, or whether or not they're moving downwards for a moment and accessing feelings and recollections. Right. Um, so there's, you know, plenty to go at. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I mean, just, just, just in, this, in, in this brief chat that we've had, I mean, I, 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 I knew that I did, coming into this, I, it's not something I've, I've looked into before, and I, and I certainly am going to now because it's very interesting. But there's so many more levels to uh, to sort of understanding it and reading it and things that, that, you, that you just mentioned in brief that, 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 that seems so interesting to me. Um, but in, in terms of the questions that I've had, you've, you've answered all of them fantastically. I, I mean, I've, I've been completely satisfied with that. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, I was just wondering if um, if there's anything that you wanted to add on to the end, any sort of any, anything that you might, might feel is, is, is important to know about uh, sort of applied body language in general or any comments that you may have. Uh, I, I would lo I'd love to hear them. For someone who, who's casually interested in there, there's a very accessible book, actually, and it's called um, What Everybody Is Saying. It's an American book uh, by a guy called Joe Navarro, and you can pick it up very, very cheaply uh, for a few pounds. And that provides a really lovely, well-illustrated book uh, in terms of some of the things to look out for. Um, so that's good. I would be quite wary of some of the older books. Yeah. A lot of the older books are, are anchored heavily in behaviourism. Right. And it was a, a model that was used to explain body language. And I think it's it's a little bit limited in that it sort of fires one bullet and hopes to answer everything with right. that. Okay. Um, so it will say things like, well, if you're an aggressive person, you're going to, you know, you're going to point more at people yeah. um, and you're going to, you're going to, you know, sort of intrude into their personal space yeah. and you're going to talk very quickly and loudly 
And if you're passive, you're going to, uh, you know, want to shrink and talk quietly and avoid eye contact. So it seems to make lots of very broad generalizations. Okay, that's it. And as a result of it, I think um, someone who sees one person who is maybe pointing the finger and they'll say, oh, they were very aggressive. And it seems to be too, too embracing, really. Sort of an umbrella, um, sort of putting everything in one sort of category kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. Right. So a lot of the older books tend to, tend to do that. I'd say the most commonly held belief is right back to the beginning of our discussion, which is not everyone always wants to know about. And, I've, yeah. and this is the, um, what, do, what do they mean by... You know, so when you fold your arms, I've heard that that means that you're you're being defensive. Mm -hmm. And you and I both know that maybe it doesn't. You know, maybe I'm very cold this afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's a very comfortable position for me. It can be all sorts of reasons. However, I'd say this is the, the final and the key points in terms of why body language is so important. And that is, regardless of the rationale you give yourself as to why you scratch your head at certain times or do something in a particular way, it's all about the impact. Because whether or not you rationalise folding your arms as keeping yourself warm or uh, you once broke one of your arms when you were a child and so you it's learned behavior to support that arm ultimately body language is about the impact that it has on others not the rationale that you provide there's research being done and this is staggering and it's very consistent people who have a folded body language so maybe folded arms folded legs in a meeting context regardless of the rationale that they provide to themselves for why they're doing it, on average, pick up 40% less information over the course of a day than do people with an open posture. God, that is amazing. staggering. And I think it's probably, I'm sure there's you know plenty of um, hypothesis around this, but it's probably to do with that fact that your body and your mind seek congruence. So actually, if you're closing your body to things, for whatever reason you tell yourself, perhaps there's part of your mind that's being closed as well, because the two of them seek to be together and seek synergy. Right. And another thing is, um, part of the same research as well yeah. found that people who had closed body posture unknowingly were more likely in a meeting context to say negative things than positive things when compared to people who had an open body posture right I see. in a consistent way god that's that that's mind-blowing I, I, it's, it's not, not that i can i, I can almost because that's what I, was, I thought you were going to say the first time is i thought you were going to say something like the people on the other end regardless of the of their intention we're receiving it as as negative but that's just mind-blowing but just from, yeah. just simply from i mean it's oh God, that just raises so many questions like is it is it your brain telling you yourself that you don't want to be listening is it a con oh that's blah that's would, would you be okay to is, is there a way to access that, that is, is it sort of published online that research 
Um, I'll find I'll find it for you, and I'll I'll send over the information. Yes, I'll drop you an email anyway, David. But the whole the whole layer. I mean, that's that's the most probably blatant bit of body language that people always seem to um, hone in on. Yeah, but it's the same situation for so so many of the commonly held assumptions and myths that you know when you dig deeper, it becomes even more fascinating. Yeah, I uh, I hope I've whetted your appetite. You know, I, I just, you, you, you seriously have. I, I, I knew myself that I didn't know a lot, but I did realise that just the, the scale of it and, and so many things that you can work out just from just from being able to read these 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 cues and these uh, these, these these parts of body language. But thank you so much for this, Chris. Honestly, you're more than welcome. I hope I hope you can make it. And what I will say with with some certainty, if you are able to, what you'll be rewarded with by the end of the day is you will know just how good you are at reading other people. And if you're not, if you find out that actually you scored lower, because I think there's something about human nature, we all like to think that we're good at reading others because we're all fascinated by human behavior because we are humans. But if those people that find out that maybe they're not as successful at it as they thought, we'll also provide some strategies to improve your performance. Uh, well, thanks a lot again. I can't, okay. can't, can't say it enough. Um, you've been fantastic help uh, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Yeah. Lovely speaking with you, David. Okay. And this brings us to the end of this short podcast. Many thanks for listening today and I hope you'll be able to tune in again soon.